Welcome to episode 11 of the Muck Podcast, where we discuss the dark and sometimes weird true stories in American politics. I'm Tina Jaramillo. And I'm Hillary Doherty. All right. So, Hillary, how are things? What's going on with you? Um, it's a depressing week to be a woman in Florida. It's a pretty, pretty depressing week. We had a really bad vote happen in the... Uh, in Tallahassee this week where uh, it's parental consent on abortion and uh, anybody who's a minor in the state of Florida even if you're raped or it's incest you have to go in front of a judge and have a waiver signed by one of your parents um, or guardians um, that says you're allowed to have an abortion so not only are we further traumatizing rape victims or sexual sexually abused uh, girls um, we're going to further traumatize them and bring them in front of a judge wow. to get that done. Um, it's very depressing, and it is very obvious we live in a red state. We all need to like get <laughs> to the facts of that, yeah. like get to just get to the understanding that that's what it is, and what are we going to do about it? You know. Right. Well, it was exciting to hear about one of uh, the cities in South Florida yes. that are trying to take a stand against. Um, what the state is pushing forward, the city yeah. of Hollandale. So yes, the vice mayor Sabrina Javiana, who who put that forward, is amazing. But that's what happens when you elect, you know, young, uh, progressive women to office and Correct. women. Period. Most, and women who want yeah. to protect women's yes. reproductive that health. That are anti-women. Yes. Um, that so was really exciting to see. Um, it is that they are. It's a bright spot. Yes. But you know. That's the world today. So we've yeah. got to keep fighting. It just, it just, it, it burned me up, but it just gave me more incentive to keep fighting. And, you know, these, these things that we take uh, for granted, like Roe v. Wade, all these things that we think have been around forever and they're going to be there forever. They're just not, it doesn't matter. It could be, um, you know, the right to get married. If you're in the LGBTQ community, like anything you can imagine could just be taken away from you. So we have to stay vigilant. Yes. Um, 100%. Yes. So, I'm first this week. You are. So, I am going to do something a little bit different. Ooh, and I'm I hope excited. you uh, like it. So, I'm going to talk about our first president, George Washington. Oh. But more particularly, I'm going to talk about George Washington's teeth. Oh. Oh. <laughs> I, I know a little bit about his teeth. I'm very excited to hear this. Okay. I also, at one point, want to just cover his death because it was like one insane screw up after the other yes. like this morning this man had a terrible painful death just because doctors were so incompetent yeah, i mean they didn't know anything about hygiene or yes. anything like that yeah. which we saw like with the exactly uh, garfield exactly yeah. yeah so okay so let's start okay so apparently our first president was pretty embarrassed about the dentures he had to wear due to the fact that he started losing his teeth around 24 years old in fact, George Washington had only one tooth when he was sworn in as president oh. of this new experiment called the United States of America. Can you imagine one, one fucking tooth? <laughs> like whistling through the side <laughs> yeah. of that. He can't even whistle through his teeth because he's only no. got one. <laughs> so that gummy mouth with that one oh, snaggly tooth hanging out. <laughs> no, snaggle tooth George. So uh, we've come a long way, people, from a gummy mouth to a gummy brain in the yes. White House. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, so true, so yes. true. So, dental history in the United States. Throughout the 18th century, upper and lower classes both shared the same woes when it came to decaying teeth and the primitive, even barbaric means of dental care. Diseases like smallpox, mal uh, malaria, 
Malaria? Malaria. Malaria, (laughs) scurvy, and syphilis were rampant. Also rampant were diets, heavy in sugar, sweetened teas, fortified wines, and sugary alcohol, and not a lot of fresh fruits and vegetables. Mm. Yeah. So um, this all contributed to... No fluoride treatments available at that time. (laughs) (laughs) So this all contributed to gum and tooth decay and ultimately the loss of teeth. And for many, there was no avoiding the slow and painful process. And dentistry didn't come into its own until the 1700s. So there was letters and uh, published that were talking about how you can take care of your teeth and reports like surgeons like that were trained specifically in dentistry because instead of just like treating a cavity they would just pull your whole tooth out right well they didn't have they didn't have i mean the amalgam what you know all the things that you gotta right throw in there so this is a funny picture that i found um of an early dentist are you ready to laugh oh god oh dear god (laughs) (laughs) yeah no wonder we no wonder we have inherent fear of the dentist this is like part of our uh, uh, past that is so creepy, and it kind of reminds me of no the movie um, Little Shop oh. of Horrors. Yeah, Steve Martin was that awesome dentist. Yes, yeah, and Bill Murray was in the chair getting his teeth pulled. Oh, no he was thanks. so excited. I know. <laughs> um, so, as always, the quality of care and materials determined on the class of an individual. While the wealthy could afford trained dentists, rural folks, depending on the village, depended on the village blacksmith, the hairdresser, silversmith, etc., to alleviate toothaches and extract mm. teeth. So Washington, of course, was from a wealthy family, and they were farmers who, in in Virginia, who, of course, had lots of very free labor. Yeah. <laughs> right? Hmm. Um, I looked up what Washington's wealth would be in today's dollars, and he is still listed as the wealthiest president. Wow. So in today's dollars, uh, his family would be worth $587 million. Wow. Yeah. Dang. That's not, we don't, there's no bankruptcy in these, in these hills. You know mm. what I'm talking about? Yeah, I do. <laughs> Um, I do. Yeah. Market fairs sold tinctures, which were extracts, tooth powders, and abrasive dentifrices, which is toothpaste. Um, Among rural farmers, tooth barbers, and tooth drawers, that's when they would just pull that tooth out, Um, there were many painful practices adopted to extract teeth. Um, They would use forceps, pliers, hot coals, and strings. So here's another picture. This is different um, tools um, from dentistry at the time. Oh, no thanks. So oh, this dear one God. right here that kind of looks like a corkscrew, yes. that's called an English key. And they just wrap that part around the tooth and pop oh, it out. No thanks. <laughs> I feel like they imagine? were probably like throwing strings, oh, yeah. attaching it to some kind of, you know, animal or person yeah. or yeah. I mean, even today, like, you know, you'll see like the, the America's Funniest Home videos where yes. someone's like tying up a tooth yes. and kicking a soccer ball or something yeah, and yeah, the yeah. tooth goes flying. <laughs> I had, um, I had a, one of my cousins pulled out i had an older cousin who pulled out one of my teeth when it was barely loose Ooh, no i still remember why the would pain. they do that you know kids <sighs> well let me see your tooth well, let me give it a wiggle and then it was like ah we were at the, the movies <laughs> on friday night and my daughter who will not she'll tell me oh i have a loose tooth and then like six months later their tooth comes out because she just won't get involved with it she knows that i'm gonna be like let me see let me yeah, see let me see. try to push it out and so finally this tooth she told me was loose like four months ago she was eating a milk dud in the movies and it came out so in the middle of the movie she's like my tooth just came out and when we got home it was covered in, in caramel <laughs> from the milk dud oh my god um, and i was upset she's like i thought you'd be happy i was like no these teeth are loose you have to like just work on it out. yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> okay, so um, false teeth became more common using uh, various materials. Even live teeth from humans were sought after. During the Revolutionary War, dentists would pay high do- a high dollar for teeth out of the dead. Oh, no, thank Could you. Could you imagine? No. And then children were lured to allow their teeth to be extracted for the benefit of the wealthy in exchange for a few shillings. In 1782, an ad in New York City's Riverton's Royal Gazette offered four guineas for each so- sound front tooth. Another ad stated, quote, money... Most money given for live teeth. So not out of dead people, yeah. like live. Yeah, but then you have an adult with like little baby teeth. Yes. <laughs> yes. Oh, girl. I've Ew. seen some gross pictures the last few days. No. <laughs> so the history of Washington's teeth problems. In 1756, when Washington was 24 years old, a dentist pulled his, fr- his first tooth. Oh. Letters and diary entries later in his life make regular reference to aching teeth, lost teeth, inflamed gums, ill-fitting dentures, and oh. a host of other dental miseries. I just think about this like really wealthy young guy. Just in pain. Just con- yeah, constantly in pain. You yeah. know, he's a general. Remember, he ended up being a general. Yeah. I mean, like, he was a really high-ranking officer and just, like, constantly, oh, like, my mouth, my mouth. You know what yeah. I mean? Listen, what's tooth eating? pain, tooth pain is, is painful. I had to have yes. a root canal. And, dear God, it is excruciating yeah. pain. And they had no uh, pain medicine there. There was no, No, you know? they threw maybe some ether at you. Yeah. If that. Oof. So payments to dentists and purchases of toothbrushes, teeth scrapers, denture denture uh, files, toothache medicine or medication and cleaning solutions are also regularly present in Washington's communications throughout his life. I mean, this poor man was just writing letter after letter, belly aching about (laughs) bitching about his pain. Um, John Adams said Washington lost his teeth because he used to crack Brazilian nuts <laughs> with oh. his teeth, which I thought was oh funny. Oh, my God. But modern historians suggest mercury oxide, which he was given mm. to treat illnesses such as smallpox and mala- malaria. I almost said malaria again. Uh, probably contributed to the loss, which seems to be a running theme when I was looking yeah. up other, you know. Um, on April 30th, 1789, the date of his presidential inauguration, although he had mostly dentures, he had only one remaining natural tooth, a premolar. During that same Aww. year, he began to use, wearing full dentures. And then this is kind of funny. Washington's t- last tooth was given as a gift and keepsake to his dentist, John Greenwood, <laughs> who wore it around his neck. Oh, He Angelina, Angelina Jolie, that yeah. shit. Oh, my God. <laughs> Could you imagine? So let's talk about his dentures because they're really cool, like interesting. I mean, you know, somebody had to come up with how are they going to help people, right? Right. So one of the most enduring myths about Washington is that his dentures were made of wood. Yes, that's the story yes, I've always heard, yes. that he had wooden teeth. Yes. Which so, seems like, how would that work? It would, it would get wet. Yes. Are they throwing a varnish on it? Yeah, what are they doing? Yeah. No, okay. So although it's possible that some of his dentures, particularly after they had been stained, looked took on a wood complexion, wood was never used in the construction of any of his dental fittings. So that's all a myth, the wood. Okay. So throughout his life, Washington employed numerous full and partial dentures that were constructed of materials including human teeth and probably cow and horse teeth, mm. ivory, lead tin alloy, copper alloy, and silver alloy. So I'm going to wow. show you some pictures of his dentures. So oh no, this is crazy. I got to tell you, this is this is a oh, co- full God. color picture of his last set of dentures. You can see these at Mount I'm, Vernon if you go there. I have to say it's. It's not that bad. It's not, except that when you think of dentures today, it's not yes. this metal. So no, the no, whole no, no. structure is metal. And then yeah. the human or, an- like, you can see these are animal teeth, right? Yes. Like, that have been filed down. Like, yeah. horse teeth. So, you know, when people are like, yeah. hey, horse teeth. Well, now we know maybe where this teeth. is coming from. Have you ever seen a picture of Nick Jonas? Mary showed me a picture. That motherfucker has three front teeth. 
Oh. Yeah. And it's just, just like this. It's so bizarre. Like he just happens to have it or they... Yeah, it's or... just like one of his teeth is a little crooked. So it's like pushed to the front. Mm. Yeah. So that's kind of like what this looks like. And then you see these, these look like that, little kid teeth almost. Yeah, that is just a mess at the bottom. Yeah. But I mean, looking at it compared, you know, to today, the teeth don't look that bad. No. But the whole thing looks creepy. It looks creepy. And then he had to put that metal... So, yeah. And then let me show you this. So this is like a side of the dentures now you see the oh spring my here God. so in the back attached to the back of those metal pieces is a spring and washington would have to clench his jaw shut to, to keep his mouth closed because these springs would ding oh like your mouth would constantly God. be open because of those springs were so tight God, his jaw must have been yeah. he must so have had like time, tmj or something going yeah. on with that jaw every time you'd see him he you know in in paintings his mouth is like tight because he's otherwise his mouth is wide open oh, and when he God. spoke there would be sometimes be a squeaky noise or a slight whistle oh, from the no. from the dentures no. <laughs> and they were really guy. uncomfortable yeah no this man it was like the plague of his life is that he had to yeah. have these, these fucking dentures um so deep within one of washington's account books is an entry which details washington's purchase of nine teeth from quote negroes for 122 shillings and remember, they had lots of slaves up there in Mount yeah. Vernon. Since Washington paid for the, the teeth, it suggests that they were either for his own use or for someone in his family. It is important to note, though, that while Washington paid these enslaved people for their teeth, it does not mean that he had, they had a real option to refuse his request, right? Like, right. it's ridiculous, right? I, I'm sure there's lots of teeth that were not paid for. Correct. Okay, so this is something else I thought was really cool. During the Revolutionary War... There was, in 1781, a dentist by the name of Dr. Jean-Pierre Le Meilleur escaped from British-occupied NYC and passed through the nearby American lines. Uh, he wanted to leave. He was taking care of a, of a British doctor there. Like, he was his personal dentist. But the British soldiers were talking so much shit with the, about the French that were with the Americans. And this guy was French, that he was like, peace, I'm going to go fucking, I'm going to the American side and see if I can help them. Like, I hate you guys. <laughs> he was just disgusted yeah. by them. So... He ends up going to the Americans and they had to do a little bit of, you know, test him for a while to make sure he was really with them. But as soon as they realized that he could be trusted, um, Washington was like, he heard that there was, that they had a dentist and he was like, send him over. Like yeah. he was just so consumed right. in the middle of the Revolutionary War. And like, like I need a break. <laughs> yeah, how do you win a war when your hurt. mouth hurts? <laughs> you can't. I need some help. Yeah. So those two became very close and ended up being the dentist that he had at Mount Vernon even afterwards. Like he stayed wow. there with them you know, for a long time. Um, and then aware of his failing dental health, George Washington retained several of his pulled teeth from a, within a locked desk drawer at Mount Vernon. In a Christmas Day 1782 letter, Washington wrote to Lund Washington, his distant cousin and the temporary manager of Mount Vernon, requesting that the teeth be wrapped up and sent to him in Newburgh, New York. So he had like just loose teeth in oh. the, you know. Well, maybe he thought I, I can repurpose these yes, again yeah, and throw them in some dentures. Them. Yes, that's why he kept them. God. Washington hoped that these original teeth could be used within new dentures that were being fitted for his use. So this is part of the letter. It says, quote, in a drawer in the locker of the desk, which stands in my study, you will find two small four teeth, you know, the front, oh. which I beg of you to wrap up carefully. <laughs> And send enclosed in your next letter to me. I am positive I left them there or in the secret secret drawer in the locker of the same desk. So he's just like, imagine like this he gets lost in the mail oh, and somebody finds yeah. him. And they're like, what the hell is this? Yeah, whose teeth are, this? Yeah. are these? 
So um, the shape of his face was also very much affected yeah. by this. So um, here's a picture, a close-up picture of painting. Oh, so we we always know Georgie him to have boy. these. Yeah, yeah, we always know him to have these really strong jaw, but it's because it was swollen and he had oh. these huge de- metal dentures and inside. He's clenching. Yes, yeah. you see how his mouth is closed like that. Yes. Oh boy. So as Washington's dental troubles became ever more severe, many artists and close, close observers began to notice significant changes in the shape of Washington's face. Paintings of Washington from later in his life all seemed to show changes in the shape of his jaw and mouth. Washington was very self-aware of the impact that ill-fitting dentures had on his appearance. In a 1797 letter to Dr. John Greenwood, Washington complained about uh, um, how his ill-fitting dentures were already, or quote, already too wide and too projecting for the parts um, they rest upon, which causes mm. both upper and under lip to bulge out as if swelled, end quote. Wow. I know. In a separate letter the following year, Washington noted that another set of dentures had, quote, the effect of forcing the lip uh, out just under my nose. Quote, oh, my God. I mean, it's just, it was a mess. Yeah. And then you have to wonder, you know, with this particular malady of the mouth here mm-hmm. that he's having with the teeth, like, what is the impact on decisions and other things oh, that he's yeah. doing in his life, in his role as general, yeah, because of the pain that he's in and decisions he has to make, right? You know, when you're in pain, who knows? Yeah. One story I read was like the day that he died. It was it, they talked all about his teeth, but then it was like the day that he died. It was like the last he didn't have finally like out of having to deal with these teeth yeah. for like forty years of dealing with teeth. Oh you know, my tooth goodness! Pain. I know. So um, a little some fun facts about other presidents' teeth. Second president John Adams didn't have a full set of teeth. There were two factors that contributed to his tooth decay. He loved sweets and he believed throwing up was the cure for a number of diseases. Oh, God. So he just burned his teeth yes. away with yes. stomach, stomach acid. Lining. Yeah. Yeah. Great. And because Adam refused to wear dentures, he was dif- it was difficult to understand him when he spoke. Now, this is really for me like these are our first two presidents yeah. of the United States, right? It's it's we have all of these. Uh, you know, history, you know, historic stories about how brave these well, men were, how yeah, smart what about they the, were, uh, how, you know, and the, the HBO series on John Adams, like, yes, has him as, yes. you know. But here they are. With, they never show them without their teeth. Like, they no. should really do a real historic thing about these we're guys. We're gum- talking like this because you don't have your teeth. Yes! Yeah. <laughs> yes! That's what I want. That's what I want. Um, okay, sixth president, John Quincy Adams, who, of course, is the son of John Adams, right. also suffered from a multitude of dental problems as an adult. But the cause of his issues was different. As a child, he was given mercury, again, mm. as a, symptom- a treatment for smallpox, which eroded his teeth. And he also started smoking before his 10th birthday. Yeah, which didn't gosh, help the situation. Jesus. <laughs> He's my kind of man. Um, <laughs> third, and then third president, Thomas Jefferson, you know, slave enthusiast, enthusiast, rapist, and main author of the Declaration of Independence. Sorry, that uh, those are three true things. Yeah. Kept his teeth in remarkable good condition for the period. And when Jefferson was 81 years old, he said he had only lost one single, one wow. tooth in his single adulthood. That has to be hereditary too then. Yeah. You know? But then think about these are our, our presidents who most of them were people who had access, who who were privileged, who had right. money. Yes. What about the other yahoos out in the world who, who yeah. you know, didn't even have nearly people who couldn't eat, who were only eating like smashed is, up soft food yes. because they have zero teeth in they their They talked mouth. about one of the stories I read talked about what Washington had. Somebody had sent him some like really like salted fish that was really mushy and that's like all he could really eat were these yeah. mushed up soft foods but that's what all i could imagine when i was reading this is like if these were the wealthiest men of their time yeah. in america what are the poor folks doing and 
really nobody had fucking teeth. Yeah. Nobody and had teeth. And the quality of life, it probably contributed to shortened lifespans. Oh, come on. And other disease, because, you know, diseases of the mouth. Yes. Oh, God. I know. God. That's it. That's my story. What do you think? I love it. I love Is it. Because it okay we, that no. it's not one person and it's not one, one. No, like, I okay. mean, we're maladies too. All and right, and all I right. think, you know, those are things that we're covering. We're covering okay, all sort of madness and <laughs> murder. So uh, bad behavior. My guy that I'm talking about is definitely um, horrible human being and bad behavior. Okay. So, um, so take like, hold on to my hat. Yes. Okay. This story was really, really hard for me to do. And I kept stopping because he just was really disgusting. So today I'm going to tell you the story of former Waterbury, Connecticut mayor, Philip A. Giordano. Okay. So, uh, or Giordano. I'm probably pronouncing it wrong, but it's Giordano. Okay. And he served as city of Waterbury mayor from 1996 to 2001. So it's a mm-hmm. relative, I mean, not super recent, but mm-hmm. contemporary guy. And prior to that, he served in the Connecticut House of Representatives from 95 to 96. And as a mayor, one of the things he focused on was, you know, cracking down on crime kind of thing and um, restoring the city's budget because the budget was a hot mess. But when investigators started looking into his methods for balancing the budget, they discovered that Gio, Giordano, <laughs> Giordano, I'm so sorry, everyone forgive me for mu- uh, mucking up his name, was even more mucked up than they thought. So mm. um, they end up finding, they end up finding out a whole additional scandal because they start wiretapping and they okay. want to get like some dirt on corruption right. and how... You know, he's involved in, you know, some scams and bribery and things like that. And then they overhear him talking about something else entirely that it stops the corruption investigation. And they're like, we have to blow our cover because this guy's so horrible (gasps) that they had to act on the things that they heard on that tape. Oh, my God. So it was it was really um, a shocking story. So the story takes place in Waterbury, Connecticut. And Waterbury has a really rich history, starting with the Algonquin bands that, of course, were unfortunately forced out. Later, the town was like a blue-collar town known for manufacturing brass. It was also called, um, I think it was the nickname was like Brass Town. And um, also for its clock towers. Hmm. And back in the day, they used to make like pocket watches. So they have like, this town has this beautiful really big clock tower and a couple other clock towers around because that's what they used to make back in the day. Oh, that's so cool. And then a fun fact was they have a mini version of the Holy City of Jerusalem. Oh, wow. And it's like a tourist attraction. And Stephen Colbert did like a whole episode where he went to visit. <laughs> and it's a funny little clip. And I'll have the um, um, a clip from like uh, YouTube, a little piece of that show that you guys can see because it's kind of funny. But for all its quaintness, This little blue-collar town has had a scandalous past beginning with a corrupt mayor in the 1940s and leading up through and even beyond this guy in in the 2000s. Like, it's just one scandal after the other. That reminds me so much. Baltimore is like that. New Orleans is like that. It's like one mayor. I I actually, when I have my list of podcast ideas, every time I see something, I'll email it to myself again. Do you have that? I have have a little... (laughs) Well, I have a a notes list on my phone, and I just... Yeah. Add to it. That's yes. what I've been doing. And my one of my lines is like mayors of Baltimore, mayors of New Orleans. Because I mean, it's, it's like, it's I crazy. Know, I know. So um, 
In the New York Times, there was an article and there was a resident, uh, Ken Harch, who said that in Waterbury, quote, corruption, it's like a tradition. Mm. So the, the residents are even aware, like, there's always something. So what did uh, Giordano do? Well, in 2003, uh, Giordano is found guilty of first-degree sex- sexual assault. So I have to say, again, um, I want to offer a trigger warning because the sexual assault and violence is against children. Oh, my God, yeah, Tina, please. I know. So for those of you, if that's just too uncomfortable, like just stop li- listening because it. I don't really go into details. I have all the show notes if you want to get into the details of the crime, but um, it, the children are involved. So before I go into the details of the crime and, and his arrest, I want to give you a little bit of background on this guy. So before beginning his political uh, climb, uh, Giordano, he was a former Marine and he worked as an attorney and he was frequenting sex workers from the early 90s, from 1990. Actually, he begins a relationship with the main sex worker who is associated with his sentencing. It's uh, um, uh, the woman is named by uh, Guatana Jones. And Giordano was 27 at the time. He didn't marry his wife. He was married to a woman named Don Travato. That's her maiden name. Um, until 1994, and they had their firstborn son as well. Um, but he first met this particular sex worker in 1990. So I don't know when he was dating his um, right. You know, so it was going on when he was engaged. But this or was whatever. right. But but he from 1990 until his arrest uh, in and until his uh, arrest in 2001. He had a long-term relationship with this one particular prostitute, sex even worker. while he, or sex yeah, worker, yeah. right? Thank you. No, um, while he was married. So um, she claimed to have been paid uh, for sex a few times a week. Wow. Um, yes, over the years. So during his first year, so remember I said like before he was mayor, he had one year where he worked as um, a house rep for the, the state of uh Connecticut, yeah. he mm-hmm. was uh, elected. So he um, ran and won a mayoral bid. So then he resigned that seat. So there's really not much about his time as the Connecticut House rep because he ran for that election. He won it and then he ran for the mayor of Waterbury. So, but as mayor, like I said, he addressed the city's $27 million debt and supposedly balanced the budget and put the city back on track financially. However, things weren't really perfect with that balancing of the budget. At one time, he had to lay off um, many city employees when the tax collection company that he hired like went belly up and it cost mm. the city like $7 million. Whoa. And he also claimed that his decision to increase the police force had cut crime by 25%. So here's another example of this guy like, I'm going to be tough on crime. Meanwhile, he's committing one of the most horrendous crimes that one can commit. Uh, So that hypocrisy that we always see. And there is this really great article. So we always have, um, you know, our really detailed show notes and all the articles that we get our info from. But I looked at um, a bunch of different articles coming from the Hartford Courant and also from the New York Times. But there's this one particular Hartford Courant article that's in our notes. Uh, It's called His Honor Mayor Philip A. Giordano, Vain, Power Hungry, Sexually Obsessed and Increasingly Reckless that gives this really deep dive into this guy's whole life. So I'm not going to go into that, but it talks about his upbringing and then his parents and all of that. Was it dark? Not really. I mean, he... Um, normal, like normal. Well, um, his parents were Italian and they'd moved to Venezuela 
and he was born in Venezuela and then they came to the States. Um, so, um, you know, a classic sort of immigrant story. They became mm -hmm. really successful. Um, but you can get into that deep dive yeah, yeah, into yeah. his life and that background, um, his high school life and like what he was sort of known as in the town prior to joining the Marines and all of that. But I just want to highlight a couple things about his time as a lawyer and mayor in the town that the article highlighted. And as a lawyer, he supposedly hit on a client suing. Uh, there was a client who was suing the city for her son's death and he hits on her. Uh, oh, he allegedly... Classy took sex as payment from a woman oh, who fuck. was in the middle of a child custody case. God damn it. As mayor, he may have stalked several women. And there was one woman in particular where he had called like over a hundred times oh, from his God. city cell phone and like would not stop calling her where the husband at one point was like, I'm going to confront this guy. Like he keep, like he would not leave this woman alone. Um, other things as mayor that kind of show like his character he expected people to rise in his presence, like when he entered a space. <laughs> that was like one of his things. Like, you know, oh, he, yeah. he would drive around. I had a middle school teacher like that. I mean, it's just Get the fuck out of yeah, here. there's just such an arrogance about that. He had a very my way or the highway attitude. And if things didn't go his way, he would throw tantrums mm -hmm. about it. Um, and the other thing is he may have had a buddy um, or really been buddy buddy with uh, the mob and oh. a construction uh, mm, industry. Interesting. Um, and a construction firm in Waterbury. And another Hartford Current article notes that he was found at one point, like hanging out in a parked car with a 25-year-old female employee, city employee, that he sort of like had to explain away. Who didn't this guy fuck? That's the thing. Like he sort of was like all around town Jesus. with everyone. So not only like, like women, uh, women but sex workers as well so he just this was right. sort of his reputation jesus so while he was mayor in the during the 2000 election he ran up against uh joe lieberman so oh. i don't know if you remember uh oh. that he was um gore's vp pick yeah so he was running sort of he he had that particular seat and he was kind of I don't want to say double dipping, but it was like, hey, I'm going to do this race, but I'm also going to be VP. And then whichever one works out, instead of like conceding one to say, I'm going to go full in for VP, um, he wanted to still be part of that other race. He did lose to Lieberman. Lieberman's a piece of shit. So it's another person we should yeah. do a story on. Right. So, but during that run, so um, Giordano it was a Republican. But he did run and sold himself during that election as a pro-choice moderate Republican who didn't always toe the party line. That was sort of like, mm -hmm. and I think it was sort of back in the day when you could kind of. Right, that, where be, that was a real thing. Yeah, that was a thing that, that right. happened. And now I, you know, I don't think that exists anymore. Hopefully we get back to a space. I think it exists, but people don't accept those things, right? right? Like you can, you. but there are people who are so fucking hardcore on their party, both sides. There's Democrats like this correct, too. Where correct, correct. Like if you aren't as this progressive as you're supposed to be, there are certain, oh, this is such, this is triggering me for this week. But it's like, there are things that are values of the Republican Party and values of the Democratic Party. You can have a full conversation about assault ban weapons as far as I'm concerned as a Democrat. You, you yeah. can either say you want a full ban or there could be a compromise. You can have, there's a discussion. Yes. But there's certain values that we should be able to discuss. But abortion is not fucking one of them. Right. Okay? LGBTQ rights, TQ rights are not one of them. Those kinds of things. But there's like economic things you can discuss. There's healthcare things you can yeah. do. There are things that can be discussed. I wish that we would allow people to, to come to the table... 
and understand that these are the things that, yes, you have to vote for or right. vote against, and these other things we can discuss. We can have conversations, yeah. yes. And also because our part, our country is on a, a downward fucking spiral because of these two parties. Yeah. You, they cannot pick a side. It's destroying uh, our democracy. It is. It's, it is what is, is created this tyrant in the fucking White House. And it's not, we are going down. Like, this is it. It's either going to be one extreme or the other for each party. And I don't want that at all. I don't yeah. want an extreme left person. I don't want an extreme right person. we got to start figuring this out. Because it's, oh, God, sorry. I know. Sorry. No, we do. We do. We do. I mean, we are in a I'd space a where, where people, a people should be able to have conversations. Yes. And um, not be persecuted for holding an idea that may not always align with whatever party that Yes. In. And um, not be destroyed if they express that opinion. Yes. Yes. Sorry. So how does Giordano, no problem, finally go down? So for two years prior to his arrest in 2001, the feds start investigating Giordano for the corruption role in the city and figuring out, like, how does this guy balancing the budget? What's going on exactly? And they kind of start digging in. And what do the feds always do when they want to get dirt on people? They start wiretapping. Yes. So during that, they got Giordano on tape arranging encounters with minors now this is the thing minors doesn't even cut it here when i mean these are children 10 year old no eight year old no 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 children no no no, 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 no tina please it's 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 beyond horrific tina i can't so when they hear this and this is where i had to stop researching so i'm like okay i need to take a break it's too much and then i would come back because, again, it was really um, uncomfortable. But you can go into the deep dives and get some of that information if you want to know. But allegedly, that sex worker that we talked about in the yes. beginning, it it was through her that he's known since the 90s who was addicted to drugs. And he convinced her to bring him her daughter. Fuck, fuck. I knew you were going to fucking say that. And, God damn it. And her niece. God damn it. And she claims that she was afraid and felt threatened to do so. Of course. Right. And now look what she's done to these girls. Right. So or he's done. He's, he's done, done. God damn it. So in one phone call, he says, if my name gets mentioned, you, you might as well put a knife to your throat oh. and kill yourself. Wonderful. Right. Uh, I hope he's so, dead. You better tell me somebody shiv give him the shiv in the fucking jail. No. Ugh. So aside from the two young girls associated with this arrest, she allegedly brought him other women through the years, just other sex workers and other young girls, 14 to 16 year olds. And um, the, the encounters occurred in his car at City Hall, in his Ugh. law firm and at his home. Holy shit. Yes. yes. So... He, of course, denies everything. He tries to explain away his statements on the wiretap, claiming that the girls were present a few times when he engaged in sexual activity with Jones. But they were in another room, and they were only there because Jones had said, look, I'm going to bring these girls. Um, and he was like, no, I don't feel comfortable with this. So um, he, he tried to say that he was in one room, and they were in the sun room in another area, and that he could see them, but they couldn't see him while while Jones was performing acts on him. Um, but when you hear the tapes, and also the girls testified, so they didn't have to testify in court, thank God, but they did taped testimony with the girls, and the jury got to hear their point of view. And when you hear their point of view, like the, these girls, these are children. They're not making up the things that they said um, occurred to them. So um, again, on tape, 
and, and this part kills me that he's at his son's t-ball game and and jones had called him like to arrange uh, a meeting and she was like you know i'll just come or whatever and he said i ain't doing it unless those girls are present too holy shit yes and he's at his kid's t-ball game well he's a fucking How monster disgusting I, I mean, I can't take what it. What happened to this guy? You're going to tell me he had a, a normal upbringing. Well, something they, fucking happened to this guy. Well, they how don't, do you do that? How how he, you do maybe that he's to just people? a sociopath? Maybe well, he's just like a you know, I oh, don't know. I'm so mad. So the charges: fourteen counts total. Different articles said fourteen. Some said six counts, but fourteen counts total, and I believe six of the counts were of sexual assaults, um, and that included risk of injury to a minor conspiracy to commit sexual assault also there was mentioned in some other sources the use of an interstate state facility to entice a child under the age of 16 to engage in sexual activity and conspiracy to carry out that offense so this is that is the first charge i think that they used to hold him because they had things on tape that that were you know um interesting using a phone that's like using a phone or email to try oh, to get a child involved in something yeah and then you know as they looked more into it then they had the other charges filed so when he was first held i think that was like sort of the placeholder charge i, I right. don't know yes no 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 and then he was also charged with violating the girl's civil rights because he was acting mayor at the time of the victimization wow. and the assault so the aftermath he ends up getting sentenced to 37 years in prison. Federal. Excuse me? So, so this is how they were able to do the federal charge, was through the phone. So otherwise, it would have just been a state charge because like rape and, and that's mm -hmm. not a federal crime. But because he was a mayor, because he was using like the phones and all of that, that's how they were able to do this federal. And then the state also then charged him. So he went through two okay. different trials, which I, again, but it's still total, not long enough to me. Total 37 for both of these? 37 years in prison. Um, however, um, and this is part of the reason I think he got a longer sentence because I don't think, um, I, I can't recall exactly what, what the total years of sentencing for a rape charge is, but I think they were able to get him to this 37 years because they said he was using his role as a city official to coerce right. these girls right. and to threaten the sex worker. And he was saying, and his lawyer was saying, no, it didn't matter if he was the mayor or not the mayor. Um, he was still moving forward with this. Like he didn't use his role as mayor to do this thing, but the prosecutors were like, he absolutely did. He would show up in a patrol car. He <gasps> would, you know what I mean? So, so he would repeatedly say to the girls and to the sex worker, like, you can't say anything. You could get in trouble. You could go to jail. And the children knew that he was a mayor. They may not have known exactly like what it means to be mayor. Um, but one of the girls testified that she knew that he was mayor, like I said, and that his job was, quote, to protect the city and, quote, watch over us like God. Oh, so my God. So they understood that he has power. Yeah, and he's important. And that he used that power to threaten them and that they were afraid for themselves, for their family, for Jones, because of his role as mayor. So he can't just say, oh, that didn't have anything to do with it. It absolutely did. It allowed him yes. to do this for so long. So, and she really thought that she was going to end up in jail if she told or didn't do what he said. She was afraid. You know, these are little girls. Well, 
So and it, the mother is on drugs. Yes, you know he's manipulating her. Yes, and using her addiction against her. Right. Right. I, I you know, it's, I got to tell you, when are we going to start taking these sexual assaults? They should be seriously? life in life in prison. Uh, life absolutely. In prison. Life in prison. So the district judge in the case, Alan Navas, said in court because he never really. Admit, he he still denied it. He said, I never did anything with those girls. They were just around in the same space, but I never touched But them. they're testifying that, that they testified they did. that, that they that did. there was stuff. There's physical Correct. things happening. Yes. Jesus. So uh the judge said, You destroyed these girls emotionally yes. and psychologically. Mm. You preyed upon them and you destroyed their innocence to satisfy your own sexual desires. And later on the same judge says, because his his uh defense attorney was saying, Look, this is a guy who's fallen. You know, like it almost felt to me like like he was trying to sell the tragic hero story, right? And the way the tragic hero story works is you have to have someone from um, a high position who falls, right? So that you can see the, the greatness of the fall. But the tragic hero is a hero, right? The tragic hero is someone who is still humble beginnings that you can relate to that starts off good in some way and this guy didn't start off good this guy was garbage from the get-go yeah so you can't try to say like oh look how far he's fallen he was already dirt you know so he's they're trying to paint him as he was this great guy for the city in this event like you know we can't put him in jail Listen, for so long because he's already suffered so what? much he's a hero because he balanced the yeah. budget fuck off yeah give me a break Go fuck yourself so this guy was like, I don't see any remorse at all. He's never once said he's sorry. Like, give me a break. The judge was like, forget it. So after the federal sentencing, Giordano is brought up on state charges. He pleads no contest, which for some of you that may not know, it basically means he's not saying he's guilty, but he's not going to contest the charges that the prosecution is going to bring okay. upon him by the state. Mm -hmm. So he's not admitting guilt, but he's not going to fight back against the state. And, and the prosecutors. So he ends up earning an additional 18 years. However, it is to be served concurrently mm -hmm. to the 37. And he has to register for life as a sex offender. And in one of the articles, he was like, I didn't know it was going to be for life. Well, Ew. you're lucky you're not getting your dick Ew. cut off, motherfucker. Yeah, which should, by you. the way, if I was in charge of this godforsaken <laughs> country, would be the law of the land. Right? A child, Ugh. immediate dick cut off. Right. Well, yeah. <laughs> bye i what know else? i know uh, but 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 they have said so you know i mean i know that they've had like different forms of castration or <laughs> or you know what i mean like chemical yes. castration and yes. things like that and sometimes with these men it's not even the sexual act it's the power right so then they would use mm. some other something that would still inflict a rape on a person whether or not they have their genitalia you know what i mean yeah i, I think it's just that that psychological power and control I I'm don't just know saying. You, I know you would destroy be so them. Scary, yes, something yes. that is so frightening to them that they would do whatever they could to avoid it. Right. You know what I'm saying. So the other thing that part of the aftermath was uh, Gaetana Jones. She served ten years for her role in. Well, good. Yes. You know, for delivering uh -huh. the children to Giordano. So some points of interest in this case um, that I thought you know was interesting is one, and this could be water cool water cooler gossip in Waterbury. But in one article uh, by the Hartford uh, current staff, one of the victims is a half-sister to a boy that they say uh, Giordano's was the father of. So <gasps> that the sex worker, oh my Gaetana Jones, had a baby with him. 
And that one of the girls, because remember, it was her daughter and her niece. So that yeah. daughter is the half sister to his own son that he like hasn't really acknowledged through the sex worker. Oh, my yes. gosh. I know. I was like, what? Um, another, so that same, I mean, this newspaper, the Hartford Current, like a bunch of, uh, journalists did some amazing just work, um, and, and, and writing these articles about what was going on in the, in this town. Um, another one of their articles noted that there was this mysterious 911 call that happened in 1997 and his wife is heard in the background and the dispatcher is like, you know, um, there was like a call and a hang up. And so they call back and he answers the phone. And they're like, you know, this is 911 dispatch. Is there a problem there? And he's like, no, there's no problem. In the background, she's like, there's a problem. Ooh. And then the dispatcher's like, okay, yes, there is. And he goes, I'm the mayor. Do you know that kind of thing? And he's like, oh, you are? And he's like, well, we've dispatched police officers. And then the phone call ends. So no one really knows what happened once the police got there. Or no report, what, nothing. Not really. I think they tried to say that there was like, that the two-year-old was jealous of the baby or there was some weird thing happening with the kids in the home that they made up, but no one really knows. So this gives us a, a look that maybe, you know, who knows what was happening in the home, how much she knew, how much she knew. Um, and there are some other recorded phone calls that with the wife and her husband, where they kind of knew maybe that they were being investigated for the fraud charges, Ooh. but not for, but it hadn't come out yet about right. the sexual charges. So I don't know. I mean, everybody gossiped in that town, like even supposedly her dad, like his father-in-law knew like that he was known for carousing about town. So she may have known that he was a pig, Yeah. but she may not have known like the severity of what he was up to. Oh and at God. one point she's like, he's innocent. Everyone will know. But there was another article I read that like when he was getting sentenced, that she was sort of in court most of the time. But then when it got to the part where like it looked like he was going to be named guilty, she didn't show up at court anymore. And it was just like his mom and his sister. So maybe like after listening to the testimony, yeah. she was probably like, well, because once it's, once that's passed down, you know, you leave the courtroom and the cameras are like, what do you think? What do you think? Uh, she didn't, what was she going to do? Defend this fucking uh, garbage. So, um, and then a couple of other things that of course show us the massive ego that these dirt bags always have in all these cases that I feel like we cover. There's, it's crazy. So when he was first held in jail, um, so he sort of gets picked up because they, uh, reach out to Jones and mm -hmm. they're like, we know that, you know, we got you on tape. And then they, Jones and, 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 um, G Giordano meet up and then like the feds like Ooh. come in and, yeah, yeah. And, and they arrest him. And so when he's first held in jail before the main indictments, when they have him sort of on just that one charge, he brokers a deal with, um, the city, because remember, he's uh, mayor. He doesn't resign, of course, because why would he? Yeah. <laughs> um, but he brokers a deal to keep his health insurance, half his, half of his salary. Oh. And at the time, it was like an $83,000 salary, so about forty two grand of that salary, and maintain his title as mayor, at least through December of that year. And this is, I want to say, maybe uh, between July and maybe end of August time that he's arrested, maybe early September. What garbage. Well, what a garbage piece of guy. Yeah. And then when he's first arrested, um, they have, of course, uh, one of the um, councilmen have to then be like acting mayor. So he calls that guy collect this guy, Sam uh, <laughs> Caligari collect to say, hey, don't worry, all this is going to blow over. I'll be back to work in a couple of days. Oh, my God. Yes. 
crazy but it's almost like he's the worst of the worst so then when you oh tell me he's god. cheating on his taxes i'm like all right yeah. i mean like he's already know he's a piece of shit oh my god so i want to circle back to the corruption charges because that was the thing right that started all of this like that yes. if they didn't know about these corruption charges who knows how long right this other thing would have gone on right. with this woman and her and those children right because oh my god Tina, you know i can't imagine so the feds when they first sort of bust him they say look we have you on tape with these allegations, with these children. Uh, do you want to help us out with this uh, other investigation that we're doing? And maybe we can be a little more lenient with your sentencing, maybe regarding the fraud or, or other things. And so he says, sure. So a few days before he ends up in jail for the, the sexual assault, he's getting dirt for the feds. Whoa. And they wire him up. And he calls a bunch of people and he calls one of those contractors I told you Ooh. that was sort of mob affiliated. Whoa, 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 whoa. And uh, the, they were tied to the Genovese family. Ooh, girl. Yeah. So, and he allegedly got a threat while he was in jail from uh, well, that family for they can, running his mouth. They should check him out. I know. <laughs> got anybody can check him out and see how he's feeling. Uh, so, um, <laughs> according to a New York Times article, he ends up testifying for his role in the corruption. So he ends up getting sentenced for his crime and then they finally are able to like get back to the original case of the corruption in the town mm -hmm. and start working on that so there was a time where it sort of lapsed because they're focusing on this other right bigger issue yes. and then they have to come back to the original issue of corruption in the city and so um he ends up uh saying that he received illegal contributions for um, his political campaign and a michael watts pled guilty uh, Thomas Ariola, a city official and former deputy treasurer of Giordano's Senate campaign, pleaded guilty to bribery, fraud, and violating campaign finance law. Mm. An air conditioning company admitted to paying a bribe to get a city contract. Giordano admitted to taking cash, bribes, suits, you know, clothing, etc., from a man named Joe, <laughs> who also agreed to pay off a $25,000 debt from his Senate campaign. Whoa. But he did say that he never did this guy any favors, that like, you know, he took these things, but he never did anything back in return, which mm. I don't know. Right. Um, another fact, uh, Giordano tries several times to appeal his sentencing and to get some years shaved off of his sentence. So... Again, the reason why he gets that big 37-year sentence is because they're trying to claim he used that role as mayor. So he he keeps kind of going back to that. At one point, he even tried to demand to see the court files of those girls. Oh, so he can jerk off in jail? You know, so... Fuck um, off. I know. This it's, guy. It's I, he, horrible. The fucking nerve of people. And then he also claimed that his attorney at the time failed to notify him that there was a potential 15-year plea deal that he could have done. And Ooh. he said that he was never told about that plea deal and that it's not really fair and that that's how his attorney messed up. And so he wants like okay. a new um, appeal, that that's sentencing. Um, I don't know whether or not, but basically... He's always denied. He's denied at the Supreme Court level, federal, everywhere. Like he, it doesn't work. Um, Gayatana Jones. So when she is released, she's that sex worker. Yes. Um, she fled to Florida because she wanted to escape Waterbury, the backlash of, of right. So her reputation there yes, based on what daughter. she's done. Yes. Niece. Um, it is a mess there. So right. she doesn't feel like she can have a life in Waterbury. And uh, there was a family member that was like, you can come down to Florida. We'll give you a job. And also she wanted to escape the access to drugs in Waterbury, like the people okay. in those connections and just sort of break away. However, mm. Florida doesn't allow sex offenders to relocate. What? To, 
to Florida. So oh, is that a, is that right? I don't know. Apparently, this is what I read that I don't know if that's still the case, but that she could not enter into Florida because of that. That's incredible. Yeah, I have never heard that before. I I was I kind of paused at it too because I was like I don't know how this true is the land of is. swampy. I know it's disgusting. Downright backward motherfuckers. You're so, telling me we won't take people in here? Well, I don't know, but allegedly she snuck full. into Florida. Well, she was also supposed to keep reporting to um, mm, yes, her probation. probation. Right. And so she snuck into Florida and then she would try to go back to, like, to report. And she gets found out. And um, she almost had to do additional jail time because of all of this. But the judge recognized that, you know, her infamy would be detrimental to any success that she could have. And so he didn't return her to jail, but he did assign her an additional seven years of federal probation, mm. supervised federal uh, probation and the first two years house arrest kind of electronic monitor oh, sort God. of thing and then after that um you know uh, she'd have to report um another thing that i learned is that the girls sue the city okay and uh giordano and they're awarded eight million dollars a piece whoa for what happened and which to me is still not enough for lifelong no. damage and the destruction of their innocence but they sue and they win which i thought hey good yes good yeah um, and then and the last thing that I thought was interesting and a, a nice little bit of irony from the annals of history is in an old New York Times article from 1995 when he won one of his uh, mayoral campaigns, uh, the, the journalist said, the squeaky clean image he projects aided by the conservative, conservative suits he wears and the upright waterberries." I'm sorry, and the upright posture of an ex-Marine is more than somewhat at odds with Waterbury's reputation for gutter politics and occasional outright corruption. Little mm. did they know that yeah. this guy wouldn't be at odds, right? But that, in fact, he's going to lead the pack of that wow. gutter politics, you know? So this article was, like, really gushing about him. Yeah. And meanwhile, um, you know, what, six years later, it's discovered that he's, like, the slimiest of slime balls. Oh, my God. So that's the story. That is the story of uh, former Waterbury Mayor Philip A. Giordano. Horrible human being. Yeah, it's really upsetting. Yeah. So he's um, going to be in jail until he's at least 70. And there were, um, there was another article that talked about how he was attacked in jail. Mm -hmm. And But I want to say that he is not in a maximum security prison. I think he's in like a medium federal. Right, right. And that annoys me too i feel like all the time these politicians end up serving time but they end up serving time in ways that that the ordinary guy isn't going to serve time mm -hmm. he should be in a maximum security prison he should have to face but who do they put in those murderers like who else do they put in there in max yeah, yeah it's like the, the the most violent offenders yeah. yeah he should be there yeah and they should be beating the crap out of them every day there fucking a especially when there's kids involved bro oh my Get god out. Those poor girls. Listen, so I can't, Tina. That was uh, awful. I'm sorry. How I told dare you. I know. <laughs> I'm sorry. So that's why I I, I had uh, texted Hillary saying we got to have a little <laughs> highlight at the end of this episode because it's going to end on a really bad note. You know what I wanted to ask you that I've been meaning to ask you? Did yeah. you watch Don't Fuck with Cats? Oh, uh, I did. You watched the whole. thing? I watched the whole thing. And what did you think? Uh I was just in shock at how crazy the story was i know and the the thing that upset me the most was that you had people saying 
please, this guy's yes. going to do something. He's going to do something. And yes. no one listened. And then he, and then he murdered someone. Yeah. What about the end with the basic instinct tie? Oh my gosh. But even like in the beginning, we're like, or like they were saying like, this is the guy and they showed him like doing modeling things where he's talking about modeling or whatever. Yeah. I was like, all these you could fake tell accounts. something was off with him. Yeah. And then even when they interviewed his mom, there was just something a little off with her. And I was like, oh God. I mean, I imagine for a mom, it would be incredibly hard to believe. Yeah. And face that, that this is your child. Mm -hmm. You know, I can't imagine someone coming with any family member of mine to say that they've done this horrific thing and because and you have one idea of who they are yeah but people who i mean this guy definitely has some psychological issue whether he's a sociopath or a psychopath and he's so smart though and too he's so smart the clues he would leave the things he would say and yes like these, those, these easter eggs in all yes, of his videos and it was the people crazy. who figured it out and, and how they would go through the streets of montreal like oh. on google and find the steps where he was standing and they took the picture oh my god yes. it was fucking insane it was it it, the the thing too that was also scary was when he sent one of them uh, a video of where she worked. That was very oh scary. Oh my god! Yeah. Well, listen. We you know we love talking about serial killers, but when they when he would the, he was doing the stuff to the cats, I was like, we're one step away. Like this yeah. is what's going to happen next. Is yeah. humans are after this? Well, and I I loved too that one of the guys who was so upset about it was sort of like this big rough. Yes, and tumble guy the, the who was motorcycle like gang. yeah a motorcycle gang guy and he's like they're messing with cats and yeah, you yeah. know like he's so upset about it <laughs> rule zero yeah on the internet yeah <laughs> i loved it yeah it, it was really interesting and it was really interesting um i loved the the one part of montreal where they were like okay these aren't u.s street lights yes. where is it and that they were able to find yes, where's the gas the station green, and yeah the green, oh my god this um, is the apartment building signals. yeah it was oh my god it was wild. Yeah. It was wild. But even what was really good, too, was that once that person, the video came out where he had killed somebody, oh. um, when they finally got a hold of the, when the people from Quebec finally got, or I think Toronto, wherever he was before, said, got a hold of the guy in Montreal, and they're like, there's what on the internet? Like, yeah. there's totally, like, this whole thing blew up where there, these detectives yeah. were like, oh, my God, there's these people who have done all of the work already. Yeah. It it just was mind blowing, and and it's the the fact that that poor kid, you know, that that so many people had to witness his last moment. Like, oh I think my god, to me is horrible for the it's family, horrible. yeah, and for and just for the victim that yeah. that he's on display like this. And when that was the thing that bothered me, like the amount of people that watched the video. Yes, and we didn't. It's there's a part of the video they didn't right. show us. Yeah, but they talked about in the tub. Yes, Do you remember when they? Okay, uh, I was because I saw it. I mean, I heard that part, and I was like, "What did the fuck did they just say?" Yeah, I mean, there's a whole other part of that video that they they never showed. Yeah, um, it was. It's listen, people. There's some crazy fucking people out there. Yeah, you know. Ugh. And there's a whole underbelly of the internet again that I had no idea even existed. And the searching. So my my husband is. Um, he gets interested. He loves like Google Maps and Google mm -hmm. Earth and, and all of that. And he has a thing now that whenever an article or someone will post a picture, he's like, I'm going to go see where that picture was taken. And, he, <laughs> and he'll go and find it. Whoa. So when I was talking about my story of Waterbury, he was like, wait a minute, I know that. Because I, I, I said, look, the, the town is this another one of these quaint little, uh, it's not a small town. I mean, it, it's a 
one of, I think, the fourth largest city in Connecticut, but it's Connecticut. So it's like these beautiful rolling hills mm -hmm. and this old town, and it's got this big clock tower. And he goes, I know that clock tower. He goes, that's Connecticut. That, and he goes, I was just looking that up. I said, what are you looking this up for? And he goes, well, I was reading this thing, and it was uh, Timex was talking about one of their watches, and it had that picture in the background. So I, I started researching clock towers uh, in the U.S., and he came up to the oh, one wow. in Waterbury. And he's like, and then they have a Waterbury collection, which makes sense that they have this, that they he's use. Part, your husband's one of these internet detectives. Yes, so he guys. found it. So he's like, this wow. is, so he's like, I love to know when people are talking about certain things, what is, where is that picture? How does it connect to whatever the product or the thing that they're talking about yeah. is? And he'll go on Google Maps and find it. Oh, my God. So I was like, oh, that's so funny that. Yeah, that's that what these, just, and that's what these people were but doing. But then I just happen to be doing this particular yeah. story and it's like, <laughs> never heard of this place. Yeah. And then he's like, oh, I've seen that tower before. I'm like, what? Oh, my gosh. So that part was interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So well, I'll put a picture on of the, yes, the clock tower. I want to see it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I guess that's it. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if it's cheerful to talk about people killing cats after what we, the other story, no. but I don't well, know. Well, but the note. internet sleuthing, <laughs> I, you know, that idea is interesting to me. And I like that they, the thing that they did is they, they tried to notify the proper authorities. Yes. They tried to go through and do the right channel yes. and, and find out who this person is and, and report it and get him to, to not escalate yes. or stop him before he escalated. Yeah. And the fact that no one listened, I, I think that. There's got to be some sort of reporting system or somewhere that, that people can feel safe sending right. things to that they can vet and check out. Yeah. And not just blow off. Yeah. So. And I think this guy was so good at being like, everything's fine. I'm good. Like, yeah. he totally talked to the police and was like, could talk them, you yeah. know, when they came to his apartment as if nothing was wrong, you know? Ugh. I know. He was really major creep. Yeah. Okay. Well, this was lovely. Yes. Episode 11. <laughs> So I will see you next week. Yes. And I have a really good one next week. I'm excited. Ooh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I will see you then. Okay. Bye. Bye. If you want to see any photos or take a deeper dive into our stories, please follow the episode notes on our website, themuckpodcast.fireside.fm. And be sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at The Muck Podcast. To support the Muck Podcast, please visit our Patreon page. We have three levels of support and different goodies for each level. Muckraker, Policy Wonk, or Bleeding Heart. We can't do it without you. Music for the Muck Podcast, written and performed by Sean Doherty.